This is Calgary Today with Angela Cocott on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. You know, there are all sorts of diseases out there, and obviously we can't have drug treatments and cures for all of them. We know that. But I have often found myself questioning when it comes to Alzheimer's, why we can't seem to get anywhere when it comes to drug treatments. I know there are some out there all right now, but really when you consider our aging population and how many people, whether it be the patients directly or their families who are impacted by Alzheimer's, by dementia, why pharmaceutical companies, research and development, we, we don't seem to move forward on this. It was a few years back, I remember doing an interview with one researcher and a particular drug seemed like, oh, this is going to be it. And then about a year later, the clinical trials were canceled. So there's a lot of questions surrounding finding Alzheimer drug treatments and maybe more questions as to why we just can't seem to get anywhere with that. Dr. Serge Gauthier is director of the Alzheimer's Disease Research Unit at the McGill Center Studies in Aging, co-author of two recent articles on the failure of drugs to treat Alzheimer's. He joins us today. Hello, Dr. Gauthier. Uh, bonjour. Bonjour to you as well. Tell me currently, how many drugs are out there that have gone through all the processes and the clinical trials that Alzheimer's patients, dementia patients, can actually currently use? Well, only four have made it through all the testing and regulatory review. Uh, We use them well in Canada since 10 years. There's a whole lot that are being tested now in different stages of Alzheimer's disease. There's a whole lot of it that are being tested. Are there any of those that are being tested that are showing some promise to be able to treat the diseases? Well, one of them is testing something different from amyloid, which is the usual target for treatment. Mm -hmm. Amyloid is the protein that builds up in your brain as you get older. Um, For some people, it triggers some kind of inflammation response and then cells die and then you have symptoms. But not everyone with that protein buildup gets symptoms. The other protein buildup is called tau, the Greek letter tau. It's Mm. within your nerve cells. And we have under testing now around the world um, methylene blue, good old methylene blue, which some listeners may remember being used for sore throat. Uh, and it's now being tested to fix the tau uh, protein in people who have Alzheimer's disease at the dementia stage. You mean a, a drug that once was used to treat sore throats, which I yeah, always thought there really blue wasn't. Methylene blue. Dye. Um, I don't know if you're too young, probably, but I remember having this put in my throat uh, for tonsillitis, and it does it does work actually as a topical antiseptic. But as a capsule in a purified form, methylene blue is being tested now. And it does color your urine blue, so we Hmm. need to have a placebo that matches that. First of all, thanks for the compliment that I'm younger than you. It might not be the case. But so middle and blue is actually being used in testing of this, how it can impact the tau protein. Is that what you're saying? That's the sort of uh, second partner in Alzheimer's disease. You need to have changes in the brain of the two proteins, amyloid and tau. Hmm. My hope is in a year we can start treating both proteins at the same time combination treatment as we do for many other conditions like diabetes, high blood pressure, cancer. 
Dr. Gauthier, uh, you know, you've been at this a long time. So when you look back at some so-called promising treatments, and, uh, and I can't remember the name of the one that I'm thinking of, um, that we thought this could be a huge breakthrough. And then all of a sudden the clinical trial was canceled, it seemed, after a year. So what are some that you remember in the past that held some promise? Uh, there were so many. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some of them were really to boost your memory. So it's uh, to enhance the ones we currently have. So generally they're safe. And over six months, they may improve your memory ever so slightly, but it's not enough to match the current drugs. Mm. Then you have the other group of medicines that are given to correct the pathology. So the amyloid buildup. So you break the amyloid plaques or you prevent their... Um, uh, the aggregation of the amyloid fibrils, right? Or you modify the synthesis of the amyloid protein. We've tried everything, but this was always in older people, older than 65. Most of them older than 75, with already many symptoms. This change in the past two three years is to younger people, like the one mentioned in the National Post, Mrs. Kupfer, someone with very early onset familial Alzheimer, where their hope when we take away the amyloid protein buildup, that could really make a difference. Over age 80, that's a correction from the National Post article, over 80, it's hard to imagine one drug that would fix everything because when you're that old, you also have small strokes, a bit of Parkinson mixed in with the Alzheimer pathology. Dr. Gauthier, I'm glad you mentioned it. it is the National Post if people want to read the entire article. But we thought, let's go right to Dr. Gauthier and actually give him the correct title as opposed to the article in the National <laughs> Post. But but Dr. Gauthier, so, so I can almost understand why trying to test any type of promising drug on older patients, as you say, is probably going to fail because you're not necessarily targeting exactly what's happening in their brain. There's so many other things. So then, yeah, But the good news is we can see their brain. We uh, have means now with PET imaging, positron emission tomography, right. to see how much amyloid buildup there is for one individual, how much tau protein there is in the buildup over the years. Uh, a CSF, a spinal fluid examination, would give us even more information uh, because you can measure both proteins plus others. And um, I'm hopeful that in five years, if we have treatments that can be preventive, we can do individual assessment of risk based on family history, mm. some genetic testing, right. and maybe a spinal tap to see if there is already that protein buildup. Well, and even, oh, that's very exciting too, and I want to touch on that as well. But even when you talk about using the pets or uh, doing the fluid, the spinal fluid, this would probably have to be in someone who isn't showing any symptoms or you know has the familial risk of maybe early onset Alzheimer's? Is that how you would see that playing out down the road? Yes, it is. Uh, there's, of course, different kind of familial risk. Uh, the lady highlighted in the article was a very rare person with uh, familial Alzheimer, where the one gene causes Alzheimer at a young age before mm. age 55. That's quite rare. Right. But these people have their own research program. And this lady actually is eligible, and so are her brothers and sisters. Uh, Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto, we have uh, a treatment program for these young people now for prevention. If they are carrying the gene their mother or father had, we don't tell them unless they really want to know. And then they get uh, randomized to treatments to prevent the amyloid buildup. Most people, when they say uh, familial Alzheimer's, 
risk it's someone in their family, brother or sister, most often parents, right. father, mother, who had Alzheimer's around age 70, 75. Then that means they may have a gene that increased the risk without causing the disease. Mm. This is a common gene. It's 15, 1-5% of the Canadian population. And that's an easy gene to look for. You just do a cheek swab like CSI, and someday it will be part of your checkup to assess your risk of having Alzheimer's in 20 years. So you could, if you, you have could, one oh, or two yeah. copies of that gene that increase the risk, you would get advice that's proportional to your risk. And this would be the fact that you probably would develop Alzheimer's in your 70s. It increased the risk. Right. This can be offset by lifestyle changes, including education, physical activity, interacting with uh, other people. So that's already been shown that if you have only one copy of that gene, mm-hmm. let's call it APOE4, A-P-O-E-4, mm-hmm. uh, only one copy, that's 15% of your listeners, you can compensate for that gene just by being in school longer, keeping your brain busy, especially after retirement, being Mm -hmm. physically active, watching your blood pressure. That's already given. If you Mm -hmm. have two copies, okay, that's 3% of your listeners. Your your risk is much higher, and they have special programs, again, for these people to prevent the amyloid buildup. Gee, you know, go back to the thing about making sure your mind is active in retirement, because I think that's a huge message. A lot of times when people retire, they tend to lose a lot of their socializing either through work or they yeah. they tend to be more isolated. So yeah. even making your mind work through talking to other people, even if it's a talk show host, you know, that's an important thing. Absolutely. And uh, if you like books, you should join the book club, the interaction with people is uh, value added to just reading. Um, Also, walking to the book club is better than taking the bus. (laughs) Because then you're throwing in the physical activity as well. Yes. Clearly, for people over age 80 who have a lower risk, uh, just age-related risk, these are simple things that you can do now. You don't need a magic pill. If you're over 80? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you've made it to 80 and you're still pretty sharp... That's that's bonus right Keep there. In shape. Yeah. Okay. Be socially active, watch your blood pressure, uh, but don't over-treat it because over age 80, high blood pressure should be gently treated. Dr. Serge Gauthier is my guest this half hour, director of the Alzheimer's Disease Research Unit at the McGill Center Studies in Aging. And we are just kind of taking a snapshot as to where we are when it comes to drug treatments for Alzheimer's. Dr. Gauthier, you, you obviously, if anyone understands how important it is to find some type of drug treatment, because as I said in my opening, there's lots of diseases out there and we may not find drugs for treating or curing them. But when you look at our aging population, and it seems almost synonymous, aging and dementia or Alzheimer's, so the greater need to actually find some type of treatment... Indeed, but uh, please think that uh, prevention for people who have a a relatively low risk, just aging itself, 85% of us, just prevention will work as well as any miracle pill. So that's achievable right now. Uh, For the 15% at higher risk because of family history, carrying a gene that increased the risk, uh, there's studies underway for them, and those who carry the higher risk because they have double copy mm-hmm. of uh, this uh, risk gene, uh, there's also a special program for them. 
Do you think, Dr. Gauthier, then, anyone listening who may find or think that they're in that category of a higher risk, obviously a conversation they have to have with their doctor, but would there, as you say, simple swab of the cheek or whatever to do genetic testing on them? Not right now. The guidelines for genetic screening uh, do not recommend um, screening for ApoE4 or other genes unless you come from a high-risk family mm. and you, you wish for genetic counseling, like you're, are you going to have children or not. This goes through genetic counselor. But that may change quickly. If we get lucky within the next 12 months with the number of studies underway, we may um, actively now at screen for risk using biological tests such as, such as the cheek swab or maybe the spinal fluid examination. And that could happen may change very quickly. Within, within the next year, years. you say? Yeah. Wow. One or two years, if uh, we get lucky. A good question here. Is there any country that has a low rate of Alzheimer's? No. Unfortunately, we looked. There was a special WHO World Health Organization program of which Canada was part of, and we looked at uh, Chile, Nigeria, Malta, because they have a lot of diabetes, and Spain, and uh, it's equal everywhere, meaning over age 65, it's one in 20 person mm-hmm. with uh, Alzheimer or Alzheimer-like dementia. Over age 85, it's one in four. Mm. So think positively. Why isn't everyone getting Alzheimer's? Right. So we're looking at protective factors as much as uh, bad proteins. Yeah. And it was because that question I found interesting because sometimes you look at some countries where they have the Mediterranean diet or they have a larger population of people who end up being more physically active just because of the nature of where they live. So I was curious about that as well. But obviously... It's changing the numbers a little bit now. Good, good that you pointed it out, because the countries where there's a national plan for prevention of Alzheimer's, so that's like Australia and Sweden and England, uh, five years later, when people really pay attention to their physical health, yeah. their intellectual activities, they watch their blood pressure, the numbers of people with Alzheimer's, new patients, there's less than expected. Mm. So it's already de- detectable if people really look after themselves. Now, now here's a text, and the person says, my son was diagnosed with early signs of dementia at the age of 22, now in long-term care at the age of 24. Have you ever heard it that young that you're actually seeing signs of dementia? Yes, you can have dementia, but the cause is very unlikely to be Alzheimer's disease. Uh, before age 50, there's a whole book of causes, and uh, Alzheimer's is the, not really mm. top of the list. The youngest one I've seen was 33. Yeah. That was a game changer for me because I used to take care of Parkinson. And when I saw that young woman at 33 with a familial Alzheimer, I was uh, so shocked that uh, I changed my field and I promised myself I would want to treat these young people, which we're doing now. We have a program especially for them. It's not not too far for people from Calgary, but Vancouver would be closer, Toronto or Montreal. How long have you been studying Alzheimer's? 30 years. 30 years, do you feel before you retire that we're going to see treatment that is going to be successful? Yeah, the treatment will be very different at the different ages of symptoms. Someone with 50 will be treated very differently from someone at 80, even if it's the same disease, um, same symptoms, but the underlying pathology is quite different. My hope is that prevention will actually make a big difference in the numbers over age 85. 
And uh, those people who are in between the 60 to 75 at risk, um, I think we'll have a special approach for them, very much like heart disease and stroke prevention. We can do a checkup when they turn 55 Mm. or 60, measure their risk, and then give uh, advice that's proportional to the risk, which may include some medications. Dr. Gauthier, I guess I've been throwing around Alzheimer's and dementia, and I apologize because someone just texted and says, what is the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's? Good question. Dementia is a stage of Alzheimer's disease. Dementia Very is a stage point. of so, Alzheimer's. Um, you can have Alzheimer's pathology in your brain for 20 years, and you have symptoms only when you have anesthesia, when you're away from home, you get fever, then you get confused, and then you go back to your usual state, right. and then you get dementia a year or two later. Um, wow. We hope to treat people who have Alzheimer's before they reach dementia. That's before really they have hope. Alzheimer's, yeah. Especially right. for the people between 60 and 75. Treat them with the, the Alzheimer's before they have dementia. Yep. All right. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Gauthier, it's always great to be able to check in with you, and um, hopefully I can do it in another 12 months, and you'll have some exciting news for us when it comes Absolutely. to treatments, all right? Yes, indeed. Thank you again. My pleasure. You bet. Dr. Serge Gauthier, Director of Alzheimer's Disease Research Unit at McGill Center Studies in Aging. And uh, definitely, I always want to share anything new because if it's not you, it could be someone else. And if we can continue to get that message across when you're still young about the importance of being active, eating well, watching your blood pressure, it just is so important to everything in your life. Calgary Today with Angela Cocott, weekdays at 3 on News Talk 770 Calgary.